You listen to me. You're Nick fucking... Woo Cage! Hello and welcome to the Nick and Woo Cage cast. My name is Rob Humphrey and I'm joined as always by Kat Valor. Kat, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am also doing well. Um, sort of. I am sick, and I'm I'm gonna try really hard to not cough all over my microphone. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, which means I'm gonna have to mute a lot. Which also means that I might uh, think that I'm talking to where you can hear me, but I will still be on mute as that happens regularly when I'm not sick. So, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see. But but we'll we'll get through this one together. It has been a while. It has been. We yeah. unfortunately we were. We made it almost 20 episodes without having to miss a week, but unfortunately, yeah. life just gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, I had a, a big part of that was me traveling down to Orlando for Halloween Horror Nights, and then coming back and recovering from said travel to Orlando <laughs> for Halloween Horror Nights. <laughs> um, but we are back now, and we are back with the 1993 movie Deadfall, but before we get into that, um, we've got some Nicolas Cage news. Um, I, I found two stories, Kat. Do you want the positive or the negative story first? Let's get the negative one out of the way. Okay. This one uh, it really irritates me. These stories crop up every now and then about various celebrities, and they make me uh, very upset. Okay. Um, and you'll see why here in just a minute. But Nicolas Cage is being slammed because of a donation that he made to an Australian charity over the weekend. Um, he's apparently in uh, he's in some place in Australia that I have no idea how to pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, working on the uh, the movie The Surfer, and apparently um, Channel Seven down there has a uh, telethon that they do every year for children's charities. And Nicolas Cage uh, left a voicemail for them, and he pledged five thousand dollars to uh, support these children's charities. And he's catching flack over this whole thing because uh, people are saying that's not enough. Okay, yeah, I'm irritated with that also. Listen, <laughs> not enough would have been nothing. Like, he could have done nothing. I, I hate the idea that it's like that there's too little to donate, you know? Because it's like it de-incentivized donations, right? Right. right. <laughs> like, and, and this is something, it doesn't come up a lot, but it has come up in the past before. Um, uh, that, oh, that person didn't give enough. Well, there's no law saying that he has to give anything. Yeah. You know, so anything that he gives above zero is solid to me, right? Yeah. Um, and it, and it's happened to people other than Nicolas Cage before. Most notably, it happened like one year Bill Gates gave out, um, I don't even remember what the number was, like $20 million in donations. And people were like, oh, why is he only giving out $20 million? I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? $20 million is a lot of money. I don't care who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And look, I'm not here to defend Bill Gates at all. But, you know, that's that's the least, the, the least of my worries. The fact that he only gave away $20 million that year. You know what I mean? Like, they're doing something, right? What'd you donate, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, I... That and, and like the only time that you're going to hear me get mad about donations is if it is like 
to a cause that is bad right you yeah. know because i just don't hassle people for it because you know the effect of this is going to be that people are going to be like oh is this enough money to donate if not i'm gonna get slammed for it you know like it's it's dumb it's a bad system yeah um so anyway oh. the, the telethon did well so the australian people stepped up with or without nicholas cage's five grand anyway it raised okay. a total of 77 and a half million dollars <laughs> Oh, that is fantastic. That's Why didn't Bill Gates do more? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> That's a ridiculous amount of money for a television telethon. $77.5 million. Is that like US dollars? Or that's, well, that's is that the Australian dollars? It, it does say in the story that there's no indication whether these are Australian or US dollars. Um, so I that I, I just don't know. Um but anyway, that uh, that that's been going on. Um, apparently, down in Australia, people are upset because he only gave five grand. Um, the positive story, however, uh, deals with director uh, Werner Herzog, um, okay. who's director and an actor sometimes, um, and he, he makes uh, a lot of brilliant films. Known for making great documentaries at one point in his career, uh, he seems to have, you know, changed course away from that for the most part. Uh, but he has a new book out, a, a memoir called Every Man for Himself and God Against All. And um, in the book, he talks about working with Nicolas Cage on the um, um, uh, Bad Lieutenant sequel that they did together. And okay. he said that uh, Nicolas Cage was wonderful to work with and he enjoyed every minute that he spent with him. So he's getting praise from Werner Herzog. Well, that's good. Yes. Didn't complain once about the amount of money that Nicolas Cage donated to anything, apparently. <laughs> I like to hear that. Yes. <laughs> um, so that is uh, the Nicolas Cage news that we have. Now, this is episode I, 20. Well, hang on. I also oh. have a little bit of, I have oh. a Nick Cage, not news, but update. Okay, um, good. I have an unfortunate Nick Cage update oh. um, because of the title of the show. We have been informed by Nicolas Cage's PR person uh, that Nicolas Cage spells Nick with a K. So. Yes merch is gonna have to be off um you know the fan has always the fans of nicholas cage have always kind of flip-flopped on the c or the k and uh apparently it is both so I will, I will go even further than this to say that i have never seen it with a k not once do i ever remember seeing his name spelled n-i-c-k it's always if it's abbreviated n-i-c when i see it I briefly remember, like, right around the time of the Wicker Man that people were spelling it with a K. Uh, but then I was spelling it with a K, and people used to roast me online. They're like, oh, fake Nicolas Cage fan <laughs> over here, putting a K in there. So yeah. I quit. And um, now, come to find out, <laughs> yes. after we've already named the podcast and, you know, <laughs> yeah, put a tremendous I amount of work in, 20 episodes in, here we are. Uh, we've been spelling it wrong. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we did. We saw it. We got an email from uh, the publicist and it, it, it specifically pointing out <laughs> that it is indeed spelled with a K. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. um, yeah, uh, now, you know, we are not going to change the title of the podcast, though. So, um, no, we will not be changing <laughs> the title because I don't really know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also, to be quite honest with you, I think. Sort of in the culture, whether he spells it with a K or not, I think in the culture, it's sort of recognized as the C. So yeah. I think changing it would make it harder for people to find the show, to be honest I, with you. 
And it's not like it's the easiest show in the world to find to begin with. Right. Um, <laughs> I think we should, at some point for our 100th episode, I think we should start a petition to get him to drop the K again. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we need some official word from him at some point, whether it's C or K now, though. That's I, true, I really that is know. his publicist that said that. Yeah, but I don't so, trust the publicist. Who knows? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I want to hear it from his mouth. <laughs> it could be like a branding thing, you know. The yeah. the publicist is trying to get the attention off of the five thousand dollars that he donated. <laughs> and it's like if we put a K on there, no one will ever know. Yeah. It's it's a uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I kind of forgot about that. That uh but yeah, that was uh surprising news to to all of us, I think, when we when we heard that it was with a K. We're like, what? Um uh, all right. It is uh, episode 20, uh, which means it is time to go through our ranking of the movies that we've watched. Uh, and these are just the ones we've watched for the show so far. We're not taking any yeah. movies past what we've watched nope. um, into consideration for these rankings yet. Otherwise, these lists would probably shape up very differently. And I believe oh, yeah. we talked about this last time we did our top five. We decided um, probably going forward, it's going to be top 10. We may expand it. We may not. But it'll probably stay at least at 10. At least, yeah. Um going forward and uh these are just sort of uh our top 10 uh nicholas cage movies that we've reviewed for the show so far cad do you want to start out with your number 10 uh yeah i do want to start out with my number 10 we were talking about this right before the show uh but just to kind of recap that uh there was like a tight competition to get into the top five when we started this at episode 10 and uh i expected the same situation here i want to just preface this by saying that my number 10 spot only has a six out of 10 um and okay. i'm still kind of surprised it made the list but this is where we're at my number 10 nick cage movie out of uh movies that we've seen is industrial symphony number one dream of the broken heart wow <laughs> which i checked like six times because that did not sound right <laughs> um all right, fair enough, I guess. Uh, my number 10, uh, and I, I, you're probably not going to feel too too great about this, is Valley Girl. Yeah, I don't love that, but yeah, I, I, I understand ranking-wise. Like. Yeah. Um, you know, look, it, it wasn't uh, certainly wasn't my favorite movie, and it does not have a, a real high score for me. Again, as you said, with these 10, are this is half the movies we've watched, so, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did enjoy Valley Girl somewhat. Him peering up over the top of the shower still makes me laugh. So, you know. That's still maybe the best single shot from any of these <laughs> movies. What do you have at nine? I have the Cotton Club at nine. We've got a bit of a jump in quality here. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number nine is, again, you're not going to like this one very much, um, is uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that was going to be coming up. Um, yeah. You um, liked that one a lot more than I did. I did, and I, I don't know so much that I like the movie itself as much as I just really enjoyed watching whatever the hell it was he was doing. <laughs> the teeth, the voice, just the whole thing was just like, this is, he He made this choice. He decided he was going to do this, and God damn it, he's doing it, and I'm here for it. <laughs> not, to, not to spoil um, the episode coming up, but the teeth are going to come back on again. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes there were choices made in this film as well yeah 
Um, I will say I'm more forgiving of uh, your ranking for Peggy Sue got married after watching the movie tonight because mm-hmm. I feel like that might have been what you were going through. <laughs> <laughs> Just intrigued. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not too mad at that. Uh, eight for me is uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. Um, my number eight is The Cotton Club. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we uh, we both had The Cotton Club on our list. That's fun. Yeah. Um, what do you have at seven? I had Red Rock West, which I still can't say any better <laughs> than when we did the episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, my number seven is sort of a curveball to this whole thing. And honestly, I didn't expect it to to land in my top ten. Uh, but here we are. I have a uh, time to kill. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the, the weird Italian movie. The weird Italian movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, no one seems to be able to figure out why the hell he's in it. Um, I, You know, the movie... It's weird. It's not it's not great, but it is I did enjoy watching it and I it has a comically funny um uh death scene in it when he just randomly fires his gun in a cave and the bullet ricochets and kills this woman. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's yeah. a good time and you know, I I did enjoy the movie uh for the most part even though yeah, it's a very strange situation that he's uh, found himself in in just being in that film to begin with. Yeah, it's uh, a super you, weird one. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have at six? Uh, at six, I have Wild at Heart. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty good one. He made some choices in that performance as well. He did. That was one that it was like, I don't think there was a spot it could have shown up on my list where I wouldn't have been surprised by it because six both somehow feels too high and too low for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He made some definite choices in that movie. Mostly the choice to just be Elvis. Um, <laughs> my number six is Red Rock West, which you already mentioned. Um, I enjoyed that movie. It was, and, and like we talked about in the episode for it, it was very predictable, I think, for the most part, but it was still a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, Dennis Hopper, Nicolas Cage, I'm never, ever going to get mad at that. No, you can't be mad at that. Yeah. So we'll get into number five now, Kat. What do you have? Uh, number five is... It is going to be, I think, my uh, one of my hottest takes on this list. Uh, <laughs> and it's uh, one day it's going to get kicked off, but that day's just not today. It's a uh, vampire's kiss. All right. All right. So I thought you were going to say like firebirds or something. Firebirds. <laughs> Amos and Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, vampire's kiss is. You know, um, that movie didn't work for me as much as it does for a lot of people, but it is, um, there are moments that I think about and laugh in that movie still, um, just the ridic- yeah. ridiculousness of the whole thing. And of course I see the, you know, the, the memes and stuff and, uh, they make me laugh every time. Uh, you know, it's an interesting performance. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just num- really entertaining for me. Yeah. My number five is Honeymoon in Vegas. Um, Okay. Movie that is a pretty much a straightforward comedy, but it's really funny and it really works. It is very funny. It does really work. I like that we get to talk about him being Elvis again. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's another movie where Nick Cage has just decided he's going to be Elvis. Yes. Uh, my number four is Raising Arizona. Okay. We're getting into like my pretty high scores. Yeah. Yeah, we we definitely entered that high score territory at this point. Uh, yeah. My number four is the most Italian movie ever made, Moonstruck. <laughs> um, and I'm still surprised at how much I enjoyed that movie because it is 
everything in a movie that I should not like. I, um, but I really enjoyed feel it. The same. Um, it's surprisingly fun. I don't know why it works as well as it does because when you try to describe it, like even trying to convince other people to watch it, I don't have a good pitch for it. Like it sounds right. bad, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. When you're um, like, it's, it's star share. It's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it, it works and I, I really do enjoy that movie. Um, and it was on my mind anyway because it is my number three pick. Oh, wow. Moonstruck. Uh, right. Moonstruck and Raising Arizona actually have the same score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put Moonstruck one higher just because that was kind of the mood I was in today, I guess. Sure. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my number three is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, you know, the movie that, uh, I mean, it was on your list as well. He's He's barely yes. in it. Yeah. But uh, as a Nick uh, Cage it, movie, it is lacking. But as a film, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's it's very it holds up. I hadn't seen the movie in a long time until we rewatched it for the show, and it, it still really holds up. It, it's a very funny movie. Um, not sure they could make it today. No. Um, but you know, <laughs> they didn't make it today. They made it a long time ago, and I can still watch it and laugh at it. <laughs> uh, what do you have at number two? Uh, this might actually be the hottest take, uh, if you're not going to count Vampire's Kiss. Uh, my number two is Rumblefish. Wow. Rumblefish. I fucking love Rumblefish. <laughs> All right. I'm looking at my list real quick. I can tell you Rumblefish is number 14 on my list. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that that was, uh, we talked about it on that episode. That movie really worked for you. It did not work for me so yeah. much. It's a vibe. Uh, I, f- I feel like Rumblefish is kind of a weird one because I feel like if I'd had to watch it on a day when I hadn't wanted to, um, it could have ruined my entire week. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is something else. Um, my number two is Birdie. Oh, um, which Birdie still remains the biggest surprise of this entire endeavor for me. Um, a film that I had never heard of. Um and currently is my second favorite Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> um, it, it's just a, a really good film all the way around. I really, really liked Birdie. Uh, it's an exceptional movie. It's done really well. It's also the biggest surprise for me, and it's my number one pick. Oh, wow. Just Birdie, like out top of the, blue. In the list. Look at you. I love Birdie so much. Yeah, it like, really is great. It really it's is. It's a uh-uh. good movie. It's a good character study. I, mm-hmm. There, are, We talked about that in the episode, too. There were like a couple things that I would have changed. Um, but overall, you know, I just it. <laughs> I was super impressed with yeah. it. Yeah, there was there was a little bit that could have been probably taken out. And we talked about it in the episode, but for the most part, it's it's a solid film all the way through. And I, I really did enjoy Birdie. Um, my number one is Raising Arizona. Um, it's our just, first ten. Yeah, I mean it, it. It it's one of the best comedies ever made, in my opinion. It's so funny. Nicolas Cage is so good in it. It's a it's a win all the way around. Um, Holly Hunter's terrific in it. I just absolutely love that movie. Um, it's super quotable. It's uh, a lot of fun. It's super hilarious. Um, I don't know how long it will stay at number one, but it uh, it could be there for uh, quite a long time for me. I think we will see. Yeah, I think that's. I think um, Birdie is going to be my number one for a while, just because all of the movies I could think of that could unseat it are mm-hmm. made so recently in comparison right. to like, you know, we're still in the nineties. So, yeah. well, we are going to hit a hot streak coming up though. That's true. And we we're getting have... to some that like, I remember liking, but haven't seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I, I, it could be unseated. Yeah. 
So those are um, our top 10 lists uh, as they stand right now. We will update those every 10 episodes. So um, we will have a new top 10 for the 30th episode. Well, maybe a new one. Maybe it'll stay exactly the same. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, have a feeling Industrial Symphony number one could be unseated for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like it just felt wrong writing that down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was an odd film. (laughs) And I'm using film. There's quotes around the word film for that thing. (laughs) It was um, a strange concert experience. Yes. It certainly was. All right. Are you ready to get into Deadfall? I'm ready to get into Deadfall. And tonight's haul, gentlemen, is $2 million. But Joe, as soon as you bring in the mark, you have to move fast. He's wired! It's set up! All right, everybody. He is out of here. You shot him. What? There's real bullets in here, man. Uh, Bob! Come on, let's go. Get him, Joe. Bob! Joe, Joe. I didn't do it! I had the plate! Here's your cut. Gotta get out of town. Set yourself up. This is all your father had on him. I'm looking for Lou Donan. Who's asking? His nephew. So you're his nephew, huh? I didn't know Lou had a nephew. I've got some bad news about my father. He's, um... He's dead. That must be kind of a shock, huh? Looks like you've just seen a ghost, friend. Listen, you might have to help me on this one, kid. It's the classic possum trap. You'll have to kill me. Fake my dad. You know the game. I was in this con once before. Backfired. Bad. That's my friend. was poetry. You pinpoint a mark, you take him for everything he has, any way you can. That sounds like a lot of fun. Ah, perfect. I'm good. Someone's gonna kill me, man! Never cross the line, Joe. Never cross the line. All right, Deadfall was released on um, October 8th, 1993. It had a budget of $10 million. Uh, are you ready for the box office? Yeah. So the, the budget was $10 million. <laughs> okay. The total box office was $18,369. <laughs> that sounds about right. It I sounds like, made up. <laughs> I, I will say that doesn't sound... I, I feel like that's putting an appropriate value on it, but (laughs) it just seems like the name Coppola at this time in the 90s should have been able to do like a good box office weekend before people, before like the word of mouth gets out about what the movie is, right? Yeah, you you would think. Um, 18,000 seems low. (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh, and I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what kind of release it got. So you know, maybe the release just wasn't very big, or I, I, I don't know. But you mentioned the name Coppola. It was uh, co-written and directed by Christopher Coppola, um, who we looked up the last time. I believe that's Nicolas Cage's brother, right? Yes, Is that what I we found so. out. Um, and it stars. Um, well, obviously Nicolas Cage is in it. James Coburn is in it. Peter Fonda is in it. Charlie Sheen is in it. 
And another family member, Talia Shire, she shows up in it as well. Um, so it's not like it has a bunch of no-name people in it either, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the Coppola name may not have brought people out to the box office, but it, uh, it, you know, it certainly seems to have lined up quite a cast for him. Uh, it got mostly negative reviews when it came out. Uh, the film, uh, currently is in that club of movies that holds a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, although that is based on only five reviews. Um, so that, uh, that's the quote unquote background information that I was able to find <laughs> on Deadfall. What did you think of Deadfall or rather Nicolas Cage, I guess, in Deadfall? Um, so we talked about this a little bit, uh, during the rankings. This was for me, your Peggy Sue got married experience. I loved what Nicolas Cage was doing. I, I loved that watching him i never knew what the next sentence was going to be out of his mouth i never knew what accent or pitch he was going to say it in uh i never knew what kind of wacky gestures were going to happen in between like it just it was a guessing game all the way through he was very captivating to watch i can't say that it was good acting but man peak entertainment here <laughs> um it was it was very fun to watch um, Nicolas Cage in, in the movie. He certainly made some choices, as we <laughs> talked about. Um, we've got uh, some teeth choices going on. There's some hair choices going on. <laughs> he he um, danced a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, from um, his seat at a strip club. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was really... Uh, he really went for it uh, in this movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a pretty captivating performance from Nicolas Cage. I, I will agree with that. It... Uh, I, I will say to me, it was um, the absolute most entertaining thing about this film uh, oh. because there's not a whole lot else going on in this movie that I cared about. By far, I had a really tough time finishing this movie uh, once there was no more Nicolas Cage in it. Like, yes. he died, and I checked the runtime and I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got a little too long to go. Um, but while he was there, he was certainly the most entertaining thing that was that was happening. And uh, I was more invested in his character than anything else that was that was really going on. Um, the movie itself, I just it's one, it's it's it was super predictable. I felt oh, like like yeah. as soon as the main character, uh, quote unquote, killed his father, I knew exactly what was happening. Mm hmm. And then I had to sit there and wait for another, you know, 90 whatever <laughs> minutes for it to be revealed in a surprising fashion that I already knew exactly what was happening. <laughs> and it took, so like, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Uh, I was waiting for that reveal the entire time. And th there was a part at the beginning where it's like, well, no, it wouldn't be that obvious, but it very quickly became apparent that it was that obvious like the yeah. movie was not subtle and then there was just like all this weird i felt like i was just being like i it, they were trying to do like a misdirection thing mm -hmm. i feel like because there were just a lot of other things happening that i also did not care about yeah and i think in thinking about this the idea of this being super predictable I'm wondering how predictable it was in 1993 as opposed to now, because we've seen this done before now. We've seen this done a lot. Yeah. And um, we've seen it done much better. 
Um, so I, I'm not certain that it was super predictable in 1993. I can't review this movie through that lens because I never, I didn't see it until I sat down to watch it for this show. Right. Um, but I can tell you now that it is when you watch this movie, the, the quote unquote twist is not a twist at all. You, what you think is happening is exactly (laughs) what is happening the entire time. Um, and it takes a frustratingly long time to get there. And there was like, Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. The whole movie, like, it was very blatant in its writing. We had um, these long lingering shots that were not needed because there were also voiceovers and also the plot was not always very complex. Um, Like, even when they're doing, and I don't know if this is because um, I went through, I, I think most everyone that watches movies had, like, a spy phase that they went through, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, a heist phase. Oh, yeah. Uh, so and you've definitely seen more elaborate like cons than this just mm-hmm. like casually so but you know everything was being like very clearly shown to you so you could tell like how the cons and you know operations were supposed to work and it it boggled my mind a little bit because it's like even it we start like very small scale still relatively speaking by the time we got to the end like the the whole diamond arc just felt like kind of a james bond villain (laughs) situation like it got very cartoonish very quickly yeah yeah it was a lot it was a lot um (laughs) you mentioned the voiceovers and that drove me nuts in this movie (laughs) There was way too much much voiceover. I mean, that's a complaint that I'll have just about any movie that that has a lot of voice. Like, I I don't like voiceover. It feels like lazy script writing to me. It it is. Um, you know, I don't mind it. Like at the beginning Mm -hmm. of something, sometimes, sure, like like to wrap something up. Yeah, whatever. You know, you you have your couple lines to accent the point that you're trying to make. But I. I feel like this one really rel- like it was a crutch here. Yeah. Like they would not have been able to tell the story without voiceovers. Yeah. The only movie that I've ever liked that used this much voiceover was Martin Scorsese's Casino. Um, and you know, I'm sorry. I mean, I, you know, Christopher Coppola. I'm sure he's a nice guy and everything. He's not Martin Scorsese. He didn't pull that off. You know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's way too much voiceover. And it's and and the reason I think a, a lot of it is um, was sort of a, a crutch, as you said, or just lazy screenwriting, is because when they did try to write dialogue between the characters, it was awful. <laughs> it was I mean, really it was some bad. of the worst, most on the nose, terrible dialogue I've ever heard in a movie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there wasn't a whole lot here um, for this movie. It, uh it. It's it's a sad case where the movie feels like it's being um, more creative or um, more clever than it really is. You know, it's like <laughs> like I, it's trying to trick you, but you you're not fooled at all. So you're just sitting here looking at it like it's a stupid person or something. You know, <laughs> I so strongly had that impression. Like you could tell they thought they were being clever, um, especially and the, the one scene. I, I feel like I'm going to be bringing this up a lot just because it was the most memorable scene for me in a lot of ways. Uh, but where they, where uh, Nick Cage and his girlfriend person mm-hmm. uh, take him on his first grift, like at the bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, like that whole scene, just they're like, I, 
And you can't tell if the movie thinks that it's being really smart and it's failing, or if the movie thinks you're really dumb and need these things explained to you. But it was like, it was like stage acting a grift. <laughs> like, it was really weird. It was, they'd come in and they'd be like, oh, babe, you dropped your bracelet or whatever. <laughs> like, it was like, um, and the way that they present the scene in the voiceover, you know, the, the guy's coming into this and he's like, oh, he was just addicted to the thrill of the lie or whatever. And you're like, okay, so maybe he's supposed to be bad at grifting. But then, you know, the voiceover is like, but she, she was really good. And she's also doing the same thing. And yeah. you're like, oh boy. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It, and you mentioned <laughs> stage acting. I also felt like, um, not always, but a lot of times the sets look like the sets for a stage play or something. The sets looked bad. <laughs> yeah, like they would just, and it wasn't all the sets, but a lot of the sets, I was just like, it did. It looked like a, like a play or something. It's something that uh, you, you would see built for a community college theater program <laughs> or something. Um, <clears throat> and then, so, uh, and there was like this really weird, I, I don't know if they ran out of budget. It seems like they had way more money than they needed to, to make this thing. Yeah. I mean, this thing, there's no way this <laughs> thing cost $10 million. Are you kidding me? But, but like by the end, it was really weird because like the sets hadn't been that good to begin with, but by the end, we're just getting like these really darkly lit, like there's not a lot going on in the back. We have these very stark, oh, brightly lit in the front nothing going on in the background sets and mm -hmm. then like and again with the diamonds with the, <laughs> the guy has like the fucking scissor hands yeah, or whatever what was that? He's got like a like angus scrim is, is the guy right and i was excited yeah. to see him because i i never i don't think i've ever seen him in anything but phantasm right yeah so i was like oh sweet it's angus scrim that's great and then i see i'm like does he have a lobster hand what the fuck is that thing <laughs> He has like a gilded lobster hand yeah. slash so scissor prosthetic. It's so weird. Like, what is this? What? <laughs> you spent money on that, but you can't spend money for sets? It, it's so ridiculous. I mean, leading up to that is the scene where he's playing uh, pool with uh, Charlie Sheen's character. Yeah. And that set looked awful. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing looked terrible, and then they go back into his office, and that looks terrible. <laughs> and yeah, it was it it was it was just weird. Like there was just these dark. Everything was just like all the like <laughs> it was like they couldn't afford walls, so they just tried to cover yeah. it up by making it dark. It was like weird. They filmed in the center of the studio, yeah, they lit that <laughs> section, and just hoped you wouldn't be able to see any of the equipment if they made <laughs> it really dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so weird. Like I don't. And and like the props it. went downhill at that point too, because it's like there at, at one point I just at when I saw the scissor hand, my brain was like, okay, so we're just doing like a cartoon villain situation now. I'm just gonna lean into it. We're gonna have like some James Bond action finale here. We're gonna get our reveal. I'm not gonna ask any more questions because my brain is done. And then they open up the case that's supposed to have like nine million dollars worth of diamonds or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's the most lackluster prop I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. The diamonds are not big. It's like six diamonds they're in a case that's mostly covered with styrofoam and you're like what is <laughs> happening 
Well, that's how I you protect your it. diamonds. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but why are we bringing logic into this, into the, like, scissor hand man's kit, you know? I wanted, like, a full case that's, like, filled with lit up sparkling, you know? Yeah, no, these were, like, um... I wanted it to reflect gold in somebody's face right. for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it did not look good. Uh, the props weren't good. The, um... Uh... <laughs> The dialogue was was like I said was just terrible throughout the movie. At the performances, though, I think because the the level of talent that was involved, I don't think any of the performances I would necessarily call bad. Um, uh, yeah. I mean Charlie Sheen was a little weird, but I don't know if he was bad. <laughs> I was gonna say I I don't think this was Charlie Sheen's best role. Uh, he, but again, it's like you said, it's kind of hard to tell because it's like, just in terms of quality acting, I'm also not sure you could say this was Nick Cage's best role, but I was so much more interested in what Nick Cage was doing than what Charlie Sheen was doing. By the time Charlie Sheen showed up, I had already kind of tapped out of this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the Nicolas Cage, he made the most of his role. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I, I think everybody else around him was like okay i guess yeah yeah you know um but that's really the best thing i can say about this movie is that a lot of really talented people were just okay in it yeah that's fair um yeah Yeah, this thing is i mean you know i'm honestly surprised that it made eighteen thousand dollars at the (laughs) point um and that that wasn't enough to make its budget back because it, I still don't know where the ten million. They must have went to that nine million dollars in diamonds, I guess. <laughs> Those were real diamonds. That's right. They learned they, their lesson. Yeah, they got nine million dollars in real diamonds and spent the other million making the movie. <laughs> um, and that's yeah, why we I, weren't I, allowed to see the diamonds. They actually needed protected. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, you get the big reveal at the end, and it's like, well, all right. I mean. You know, there's some weird story also with the guy's mom, right? Like the two, the his. So you got your main character whose name I didn't bother to remember, and then you've got his dad. But then his dad also has a twin brother, and apparently they were feuding over this guy's mom or something. What the hell was all yeah. that? I don't know. I I don't. It was weird. And then there were like it led to a couple of really awkward moments. My least favorite moments in the movie were him talking about his own mom because he would just like he had these really weird lines of dialogue that are bad enough when he's interacting face to face with other humans. But then he's doing these voiceovers where he's telling you the audience he's like, look at this picture of my dad and his brother with their arms both like canoodling my mom or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah, it was that whole thing was weird, and I don't think we needed that whole side story. It wasn't necessary. No. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's not a lot to like about this movie. Um, I, I I would not recommend that anyone rush out and, and try to watch it. It um, I'm trying to remember. I, it wasn't that hard to find. This one was. This one should be harder to find. I wish that this were one of the harder ones to find. <laughs> yeah. I go through this all the time, um, usually with horror movies, but I get 
very fascinated by the films that have a zero percent on rotten mm. tomatoes like i it's just such a fascinating niche and i always go in thinking this is going to be the most entertaining time of my life because it's going to be terrible and i'm you know in my head i get it worked up as like these b movies you know yeah. and then i watch them and it's like no i'm just bored <laughs> like yeah. I think most of them that that's what happens. I think mostly it's just, because if it's really bad and it's really stupid, somebody will give it a good score just because they had a good like time it. laughing at it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I really do believe that. But yeah, the, the zero ones, they, they usually tend to be just boring. And uh, this isn't the last zero on Rotten Tomatoes that we will watch. Nicolas Cage has a few <laughs> of those along the way. <laughs> I think um, this so, is the first zero percent movie that I've seen from Nick Cage. Um, I think so too. Uh, I haven't really been tracking that or paying attention. I can't imagine what else would have a zero. I don't think anything that he's been in up to this point was that bad. Yeah. Um, maybe the Boy in Blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Boy in Blue actually, I it had like above a five. Oh really? I think. Oh. All right. So um. I don't know if I've got anything else to say about Deadfall, really. Just don't watch it. Yeah, I we can't recommend this one. A again, it's... Maybe if you can find... We've talked about this for some of the cameos. If you could find on YouTube somewhere, like, a compilation of just Nick Cage's performance in Deadfall, 10 out of 10 worth watching. Oh, absolutely. Fascinating character study. Great for acting students, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's not worth watching up until he doesn't show up until 20 minutes into this movie and i think there are still like 30 minutes after he's gone yeah also i i guess i i was winding down but i did want to bring up his death because that felt so out of place to me it was right before we hit the like cartoonish level of villainy mm -hmm. um and then there's just like this one random really gruesome death <laughs> <laughs> i was like what yeah <laughs> um, yeah i didn't think of that i guess so i and, and you know and it's a shame that his character couldn't make it through all the cartooniness that was to come because that just would have been fantastic he would have really shined talking yeah. to the guy with the scissor hands yes absolutely <laughs> um yeah I, I i see what you're, you're saying there definitely if you can find the the nicholas cage performance or you know if you want to sit down and watch the movie just fast forward till you see nicholas cage on screen start watching and yeah. then uh, when the death happens, stop the movie. You're good. <laughs> I do think that, like, his performance was great. Uh, I really loved it. It was a gem in an otherwise just very bland film. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree. And again, I you know, maybe in uh, 93, this movie was blowing people away. Um, but uh, I had never heard of it until it came up on uh, on this list of movies. Um, and I'd never seen it until the other day. So, um, it does, it doesn't hold up if, if it was good in 93, <laughs> it did not hold up. I can tell you that, <laughs> um, I'm not expecting a big 30th anniversary theater release or anything. No. <laughs> uh, an another thing that they did do real quick that I want to talk about. This is another, I don't want the money movie. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And we talked about that with Red Rock West, how that annoys me when people, the the protagonist of the film goes through all this stuff and in, in trying to get the money and then he has the money and then he decides he doesn't want it. I will um, say, like, I had tapped out a little bit, so I wasn't as, like, emotionally invested, but it irritates me more in a movie like this than it does in Red Rock West. 
um, where they had established him as like a guy that didn't really lust after money. This one, he's literally a con artist. Right. Like, <laughs> and he's got the cake, mm-hmm. as they kept calling it in this movie. And, oh God, I almost, I almost turned it off when I saw that actual cake. Yes. Uh, I was like, "Mm." (laughs) at least I thought they were calling the money, the cake until there was an actual cake. (laughs) And then I was like, fuck this movie. (laughs) There's an actual fucking cake. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, That's all I've got for deadfall. I think Do you have anything else. No, I'm, I'm out. (laughs) All right. Let's jump into the bees for this thing. (gasps) What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees. Not the bees. Ah! Uh, we do two scores for each movie. We have a uh, Nicolas Cage score, which is a score not only for Nicolas Cage's performance, but the film's use of Nicolas Cage. And then we will give a score for the movie overall. Cat, uh, what do you give Deadfall for a Nicolas Cage score? Um, I'm I, I'm having a really tough time because uh, I've been wavering a little bit in between a couple numbers. I think I'm going to like go center of the road. I'm going to give him an 8.5 for this. I, I kind of wanted to give him a nine just because it's so entertaining um, in a movie where nothing else is. I think mm-hmm. his performance really, really stands out in this. Um, but I uh, but again, I, I don't think that there was there was not a lot of consistency to it. Uh, like we got even in and we know we know on the show that I'm not a huge fan of his character and Peggy Sue got married. Sure. He made those choices. But at least in Peggy Sue Got Married, he like stuck to those choices. Every scene was something different in this. <laughs> and it's I loved it. Um, but I don't know if it was good. So I, I'm gonna go eight point five. But okay. I, again, I cannot recommend enough that people look up like at least a clip or something of what he's doing here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um all right, so I will say uh, I thought I was going to have the highest number for this movie, but uh, I do not because I'm not <laughs> going to make it quite to an 8.5, but I, I was impressed with his performance. I enjoyed it. It was He was, without a doubt, the most entertaining thing happening on the screen in this movie. Um, I give him a 7.5 for okay. the performance here. I do think that he was given really bad material, but he was <laughs> able to elevate it through the uh, the performance and the choices that he made. Um, and sometimes that's all he can do. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you give Deadfall as a movie? As a movie, I'm going to give Deadfall a... I, I'm going to give it a 3. I okay. was going to give it a 2.5 um, because I feel like it needs to be better than Zandali. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, wanna, I decided that it... I just now actually bumped it up a 0. 0.5 um, because I think Nick Cage's performance elevates it a full point higher than Zandali. I also didn't like his work there yeah. um, that much, whereas I really liked it here. I think it deserves, but I want to be clear about my rating for this. All three of those points are earned by Nick Cage. <laughs> like, yes, absolutely. Because there's nothing yeah. else to cling to in this film, No, um, which is why I did not even give it that high. I give it a two. Um, okay that's fair <laughs> overall and again both of those points are um courtesy of nicholas cage and, and the work that he does because it's uh it, it's amazing when you watch a movie like this when you see nicholas cage really shine in his performance in the movie and then everything else around him is just garbage yeah 
right? And and again, and I'm not I'm not coming after the other performers or the other actors in this film. I said, you know, it's a really talented cast who are all just okay. It's this this movie is so poorly written and looks so bad that nobody is going to be able to lift up this material more than Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and it, and they really underutilized him in this, uh, yes. which, which is one of the reasons why like I was more mild with the score than my initial reaction. My initial reaction was like, Nick Cage is pulling miracles out of his ass in this <laughs> film. Like, I just want to give him the 10. Uh, I reined it back because, you know, it is about how the movie uses Nick Cage. And honestly, I might have, this might have been a vampire's kiss situation where I could have come full circle on this and just enjoyed the hell out of watching Nick Cage be uh -huh. crazy for like 90 minutes or whatever. Uh, if he had been in it the whole time, like, yeah, that's what works for me about something like vampire's kiss is that he's there front and center being weird and they let him have the focus. They did not do that here. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, they they did um he they did he did kind of get relegated to like a side role in in this movie. It's just not a big uh no. his role is not uh not a huge part of the film. Um, I really was disappointed when I found out who he was going to be. I somehow thought he was going to be the uncle. I don't know why I thought that. Oh yeah. Um in retrospect it makes no sense, but like when they were setting up, you know, you've got to go find your uncle. I was like, "Oh, okay. He's going to go <laughs> on a quest to find crazy Nick Cage and I'm going to love this." And that was not what happened. Yeah, yeah. That is that is true. Um all right, so that is going to do it for Deadfall. Next week uh, we make our way into 1994 with the second entry in the Sunshine Trilogy. We will be talking about the 1994 movie Guarding Tess. Okay. Uh, starring Nicolas Cage and Shirley MacLaine. Have you seen Guarding Tess? I've not seen Guarding Tess. Okay. I haven't either. I remember when it came out. Um, and it's just, this is another one where it's like, this is not the kind of movie that I, I go watch, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Nicolas Cage and it's Shirley MacLaine. And she's like, um, if I'm not mistaken, she's like a, a, the first lady or former first lady. And he's a secret service agent whose job is to, you know, follow her around or whatever. And she's like a pain in the ass. And I was like, that's just not something I'm going to watch, you know? Uh, yeah. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> Yeah, um, and and uh, I don't know because I haven't read a plot synopsis. That is what I took away from like trailers when the movie was new in like 1994. I could be completely wrong about that plot. <laughs> uh, that's just what I what I kind of remember. Um, that's what but, the cover looks like. Uh, like just yeah. like looking at the poster for the movie, I could see all of that being accurate. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it uh, how it goes. Um, it, uh, this was a big movie. Uh, the year that it came out, it was a it was a pretty successful film. So, we will see that uh, that will be the second part of the Sunshine trilogy, which um, I don't remember what the first one was. Oh, Honeymoon in Vegas was the first one. Okay, it's uh, Honeymoon in Vegas, Guarding Tess, and then um, you know, there's another one because it's a trilogy, but I can't remember off the top of my head <laughs> what the third one is. Uh, so we'll do that next week. Um, you can find me at uh, Twitter, uh, well, online anywhere, pretty much all the social media is at Radio Rob One Two Three. And you can listen to the other show that Kat and I do together uh, called Slasher Radio. It's all about horror movies. You can find that wherever you're listening to the Nick F. and Woo Cage cast. Kat, where can people find you? 
On Twitter, it is cat underscore Vlor, and everywhere else, it's cat Vlor. You can check out my website, catvlor.com. Look out uh, for my book, Puppet oh, Shark, the novelization. Right. <laughs> it's that's coming right. out soon. Puppet Shark, how exciting is that? Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week when we'll talk about the 1994 Nicolas Cage movie, Guarding Tess.